0: What's up, everybody? This is Peel Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bar Two. I have a great episode this week. We're going to be speaking about mental health. Um, the guest for this episode is Dr. Cherie Allen. She is a PGY1, PGY2 graduate. She works out there in Sweeney, Georgia. Swanee, Swanee Georgia, excuse me. Uh, teaching future pharmacists about mental health, and how to actually medicate and impact their patients' lives. So no further introduction. Dr. Allen, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing really good. I'm doing great.
0: Thanks for
1: having me. I'm excited.
0: Man, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule and being on Peel Talk podcast for this episode. So let's jump right into it.
1: Okay.
0: How did you get your start or your spark to get into the healthcare profession?
1: You know, and I was so I was thinking about this earlier. I so I did a I guess like a non, I guess it's, to me it's traditional, but a lot of students these days don't do it. So I went to pharmacy school right out of high school. Um so I did 2 years of undergrad, 4 years of pharmacy school. I don't have an undergraduate degree like most students today have. Um but I'll be completely honest with you. When I graduated high school, my dream career that I told my parents, I said I want to be a personal shopper. I said, <laughs> I I just want to like spend other people's money and help them with whatever it is. I want it to be like a personal assistant. Um, my parents sat me down and they said, no. <laughs> 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 how about no? So, um, they so my dad is a pharmacist and he mm-hmm. said, you know what, what about you go to pharmacy school and then afterwards you can do the personal shopping thing if that's what you choose to do. Okay. So I said, I said, yeah, sure. So I applied to pharmacy school, got in. Um, and then that's, that is how I became a pharmacist. Now that I'm doing it though, I love it. But my my pathway to pharmacy school was ultimately the great advice of my parents.
0: Hey, (laughs) listen, I'm happy they did that. You out here making a great impact on people's lives. I could have been a dope personal shopper, but I think you're probably a better pharmacist at this point. (laughs)
1: Listen, listen, I'm going to say with 100 percent certainty it worked out for the better. (laughs) Worked out for the better. So,
0: yes, yes. (laughs) All right. But that's good. Um, talking about, I guess, legacy, him being a pharmacist, what led you to being a pharmacist. And I don't know if you if I can share this, but uh, you have kids.
1: I do. I All have right. two kids. I have a two and a half year old and a one year old.
0: Nice. Nice. So hopefully you lead them right into the pharmacy world and keep the tradition going.
1: I mean, like I've told everyone, my kids are basically pharmacists now. They've they've they were born during the pandemic. They have sat through so many like of my lectures, meetings, things, they probably they know more than the average two and a half year olds.
0: <laughs> That's dope. They're mm-hmm. probably walking around like, ah no, nah, they need that medication, mom. They trick right? me.
1: <laughs> exactly exactly i'm telling you my my i would not be surprised my one-year-old when he starts talking if it's a drug name i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised hey
0: you like yo come on it runs in the family
1: it runs <laughs> in the family that's the thing my sister is a pharmacist as well my cousins one so it genuinely runs in the family
0: oh that's dope that's real dope man i know a lot of people who watch my things are like first generation um so if you don't mind, I know we are gonna get into your life, but how was that impact of like growing up and like seeing other your family members into healthcare profession, into the field that you in? Um, how was that like?
1: I think it's like, um, maybe I take it for granted a little bit. So for me, seeing my dad as a pharmacist uh, when I was growing up, it's, not in a non-humble way, but it's like not unique or special, you know? Cause I'm like, I thought this was my normal. This is, this is, this is what my dad does. Like, yeah. and so for me, when I hear um, my classmates, when I was in school, or even now, when I hear people um, at our school who are coming to pharmacy school and they're like, They've never really had that pharmacy experience until it was them or until like later on in life. that's just not something that I was able to relate to um so I think for me now it's eye opening to know like, hey, the way that I grew up wasn't necessarily it wasn't like everyone didn't have that experience you know yeah, so yeah it's, been, it's been it's it's humbling it's eye opening too though
0: it yeah, is dope because I'm on the other end of the spectrum, yeah like. A first generation to go to college, then to wow. go to pharmacy school. And then remember telling people, because for some reason I had to spark early to I want to be a pharmacist, whatever. We've been telling people I want to be a pharmacist. You know, mm-hmm. like we never saw a black pharmacists. Yeah. Is that something you sure you want to do? It's like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Well,
1: and you know, and I, I will say as like just like a side note, when it's funny, when I went to when I graduated high school, people what I, I remember having this, this great big uh, graduation party and a lot of people from my church came and all of that. And a lot of people were saying, like, what are you going to do when you graduate? So, like, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. And for me at the time, I was thinking, like, what, what are you talking about? I'm going to go to college. That's that's what you do. You go to high school, you go to college. Um, because, again, that's just the life that I knew. You go to high school, you go to college, you do whatever, like, next step, next step. but." As I got older and out of like my little bubble, I realized not everybody goes to college. No. You know what I mean? Not everybody has like these opportunities. Not everybody was raised the way that you were. Not everyone has like these different people in their lives. And so I went to FAMU and I, I tell people constantly that was the best decision that I have made. The abs- I would never take it back for anything opens my eyes up to things that I would have never seen elsewhere I would again my kids my husband went to Auburn but <laughs> <laughs> my kids will go to FAMU if I can help it they will go to FAMU because again it, it for me it was it changed like the trajectory of my life and I got to see and experience things that I would not have done elsewise or otherwise
0: yeah man I got some some like really close friends that went to FAMU and they praise that school. And <laughs> what they talk about most they trying to get me to go to is the homecoming. I haven't been to one yet, but yeah. I definitely need to try to find my way down there.
1: Listen, well, and the funny thing about that is. The number of people that are at FAMU's homecoming that didn't even go to FAMU <laughs> is like hilarious to me. <laughs> but you've definitely got to go back. I haven't been back in a couple of years, but last year's homecoming, I was so upset I didn't go because it looked, it was the first time that we've had like legit homecoming since the pandemic. So yeah. I just think like now things are getting back to like how they were, how they, how, it, how fun it used to be.
0: Nice. You should
1: go. I support that.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely going to make it down. I'm going to make it down one (laughs) year. All right. So we got your spark into it. Mm -hmm. How you went from being a, wanting to be a personal shopper to becoming (laughs) a clinical pharmacist, right?
1: Yeah.
0: All right. So, you know, in pharmacy school, you go all through the different steps of becoming a pharmacist. You touch retail, you touch a hospital, you touch psych a little bit too. What made that stand out to you to be like, all right, this is the field of pharmacy that I want to stay in?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people ask me that when when I was in pharmacy school, uh, psych was like the one disease state that just came. It just came easy to me. I clicked. I got it. I understood it. I don't like any other disease state. If you ask me ID, oncology, anything with the kidneys, the heart, none of it. I don't like any of it because it's just it was a lot of lot of work. Not that you shouldn't work hard, but yeah. when it came to mental health, that was like the one disease state that I'm like, ah, oh, you know, that makes sense. Um, so then I did a rotation, a mental health rotation during our fourth year. And my preceptor was amazing, like she let me see and do different things that I I don't know that everyone else got to do. And from there, I just solidified like, yeah, I knew two things when I graduated pharmacy school. I knew that I wanted to specialize in mental health and I knew that I wanted to teach. I love teaching. Um, And so from there, that's just that's just kind of the I did everything I needed to do in order to make that happen for a career.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. So you got out of pharmacy school. And then you decided to go to do a residency um, two years. Yeah. What was that education like to prepare you for being a a clinical pharmacist with the site?
1: So like, what did I do during my residency or how did that kind of help me a little bit? Yes. Um, well, so my first year of residency, it was a little bit different. I call it a PGY one and a half because while PGY ones are supposed to be very general, but my PGY one was at a psych hospital. And so, yeah, while I was doing like family medicine, internal medicine, I was doing them on patient on mental health patients was the focus. Um, so I think during that time, my residency, my PGY one and two, I got I got to see way more, be exposed to way more than I did like elsewhere or outside of those walls. Um, So I got to make a lot of the same decisions that I get to make now in my own clinic. But that's the biggest thing is experience is being around and working with the type of patients that you want to do or work with when you're done with your residency. I got to do that from day one.
0: Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. All right. So you finished those two residencies. Mm -hmm. Did you jump into working with a hospital to keep helping psych patients? Like what was the next step for you after that?
1: So I, I love teaching. So, and I knew that I wanted to teach like that. That was my, that was my main thing. Wanting to be able to go somewhere where I can teach. Um, Mm -hmm. So after my second year residency, I applied to like four different schools of pharmacy that were hiring a a professor that needed a specialty in mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember I applied to, I think, a school in New Mexico, Hawaii, somewhere in Savannah and then Georgia. Okay. In hindsight, everyone's like, oh, why didn't you go to Hawaii? But I mean, at this point, I'm from Florida. So I'm from Florida, did my residency in New York, in Buffalo, New York. Mm-hmm. I was kind of just tired of, of being away from family. So mm-hmm. ultimately, I, I decided on taking the position here in um in georgia but i've never worked in a hospital outside of residency i've never worked in a hospital i work at the school and then through the school i did um i've worked outpatient mental health ever since then but never i guess that is a hospital but never inpatient
0: oh nice 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 mm-hmm. um that's those four schools you apply to that's a wide range from hawaii Savannah yeah. Georgia and then you said New Mexico
1: New Mexico yeah, yeah,
0: yeah no shade on New Mexico but I don't <laughs> know what's out there. Listen, it was
1: good. nice though I'm not gonna lie like I'd never I interviewed with them but I'd never I'd never even been to New Mexico before
0: yeah.
1: it, it was nice
0: nice okay
1: I mean minus right. the fact that I had no family there I wouldn't have mind being checking it
0: out yeah, All yeah. right right but that's a good look but you know I know and then it's during the pandemic so mm-hmm. um you've been a pharmacist since when uh,
1: since I've been practicing since 2009,
0: 2009. 2009.
1: a long time
0: uh-huh I'm and old. then when did you start teaching
1: officially 2011
0: 2011 okay okay oh you're not new to this I know. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> I'm pretty old in the game now. Like when I started, I was 24, I think. I think I was 24. Mm-hmm. I'm basically almost 40 now, which is scary. <laughs> when I say that out loud, it's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I've been doing it for a while.
0: Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. All right. So congrats. You got the job in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, and you're teaching out there, right? Mm -hmm. So what is your teaching styles to get the students involved into the psych meds? Because I know when I had psych, um, for me, it seemed like that was one of the more challenging ones. Like I was telling you earlier, it was like psych and ID. So how do you get your students engaged into understanding the psych and, and wanting to be more involved with it?
1: I tell them lots of stories. (laughs) Any of my students who know me will say, they'll say like, Dr. Allen will tell a story. And then, so our classes at my school are usually like two to three hours. Half the time I'm telling like, here's what happened on my first day of residency and here's what happened. But I can relate all of those stories to whatever it is that we're teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also think that I'm not really big on just getting up there and talking and talking and talking and not, not like hearing what my students have to say. So I'm the type of teacher where when I'm in the classroom, I'm usually not on the podium. I'm walking around, Uh I'm getting opinions, I'm asking you like, hey, what do you think about this? I'll propose like different scenarios to them and say, okay, well, what do you think? Well, what do you think? Well, who do you think is right? Well, why do you think that you're right? Why do you think that they're wrong? Um, so I think for me, getting my students to be engaged means I have to be engaged, too. So I'm going to get out there and actually talk to you and not be like behind the podium reading off slides. I, I tell students like I think as a presentation tip, that's like my own my own advice too. if you're ever giving a presentation. Don't sit there and like read off the slides. Yeah. Because I can do that myself. I don't need mm-hmm. you there. I can read it myself, right? Mm-hmm. So instead, if you're giving a presentation, you should be telling me something that I can't just look up two inches and read it myself. <laughs> Does that make sense though? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Um, yeah. When I was thinking about how you said you walk through the classroom and you give them scenarios and then you ask them to give their feedback, like that kind of reminds me when I was back in school, definitely pharmacy school, where undergrad, high school, and everything under that was more of like a linear thinking where someone tells you information and you regurgitate it back and you're like, correct, you did amazing. When I finally got to pharmacy school, it became more of a web thinking where it's like, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. How can you combine those things and then come up with a solution? Yes. So almost, I want to say any answer could be right, but you have to justify your answer and why you chose it.
1: Thank you. I yes. Like that spot on. So my students hate that. They hate it. And I know that students in general, they want like a tell me the exact right answer. And here is the thing. When it comes to mental health, there is no right. One right answer. Because The thing is, like think about like treatment guidelines for for depression. The treatment guidelines will tell you, APA guidelines will say, you got somebody that's depressed. You know what it says? Use an antidepressant. <laughs> and You're like, well, obviously, but you don't know, like, which. it's not going to tell you which ant, for the most part, which antidepressant to use. That's up for you to decide. And so what students don't like is they want to know, I should use this specific antidepressant. And then if that doesn't work, then use this one. And if that doesn't work, then use this one. But unfortunately, what I love about mental health is if you can justify why you did what you did, you're usually not going to be wrong. Don't kill anybody and justify why you did what you did. You're usually not going to be wrong. There is no one right answer. Yeah. And so people don't like that. But I, I think it's what makes it good. You can use you use a lot of your critical thinking skills.
0: Definitely. So just in that like aspect and like learning that that like everyone has to go to that learning curve right I think no one liked it at first you're just like what is this like right. like you like we're so used to regurgitating and that made us or made me become a better pharmacist when it's like you know what let's take the whole scenario because if I just give this person a blanket drug that might not be ideal for this person it might be ideal for the next mm-hmm. but you know just got to do that and how that is.
1: I mean, and I get it from a student perspective, you're like, my students will say like, okay, there can be more than one right answer, but for the test, which (laughs) answer is the right answer? I'm like, don't like that. I'm like, guys, don't worry about the test. I know you do. It's like, I know you have to worry about the test, but don't worry about the test. This stuff is for the rest of your life. Just think beyond the test, think beyond it, so. Uh,
0: Just a little quick story. Mm-hmm. Um when I was under uh pharmacy school, I had a teacher, never multiple choice. that was everything was short answer. You literally had to write out what was your thought process, right or wrong, and he would grade you on that. So it would grade you on like why did you think this way? How did you come up with this answer? And he would give you points on that, not yeah. necessarily getting the answer correct for the question.
1: Let me tell you. We, so at our school, we did multiple choice and then we recently stopped doing multiple choice and then we started doing short answer questions. They are a nightmare to grade, but I prefer short answer. I prefer short answer because you can, I can see like what my student is thinking. And yeah, your answer may not like line up with what I would have done. But at least if I can see what your thought process is, I can give you points for that. So I can say, oh, OK, that makes sense. Versus if it's multiple choice, it's either right or it's wrong, you know? So I I mean, students don't like short answer. I don't like short answer because they take forever in a day to grade. But for what the purpose is, I actually like short answer better.
0: Yeah, And I think that was his point, too. Once he kind of saw and we were like, he would give back the test and when we would go through it he could see what we was thinking and then actually help our i don't say mindset but help our thought process to be like shopper like okay yeah. i see where you was going but
1: come on this is where and you know what short answer actually helps me too so if i can see my students when they answer short answer and i can see kind of like what they were thinking then it lets me know like, oh, okay, that's something we need to clarify in class because that thought process isn't quite right. Or we just need to fine tune it. So it's, it's again, while it's painful to grade, it's, it is helpful for me as well.
0: Nice. Nice. All right. So you said you do things at a outpatient clinic.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, what type of, okay. One, what type of clinic is it? Are you, meeting with patients with severe psychosis or is it moderate and then how are you able to help them
1: yeah so i do outpatient mental um outpatient mental health at the atlanta va so i meet with vets um i usually work at that clinic 3 days out of the week typically um usually meet with that clinic or with those patients 3 days out of the week and then i have Probably about like 30 to 40 patients that I see um, in a given week. And I what happens is they are diagnosed um, by a psychiatrist. And then unfortunately, in just the world of mental health, it can be very hard to to get appointments with a psychiatrist or with other people in mental health. So instead of like waiting three or four months to see somebody again, then they'll come to my clinic and then I see them once a month. And so I'll already have a diagnosis. So as a pharmacist, I cannot diagnose, but they'll already come to me with a diagnosis. And then I talk to them about like, what's going on? What are their symptoms? What's what? And then we decide on a medication that would be best for them. Or sometimes we don't start on a medication. And then I just meet with them monthly to see like, make sure things are still going very well. Um, So I, I like it because I have the autonomy to do manage all their meds i get to increase their dose decrease them stop meds order labs whatever it is that i need to do i can and i that's what i love about where i get to work right now
0: yeah i'm gonna say i've had a you know that's one good thing about working at the va i can say for pharmacists because you're able to work at the top of your license you're able to do basically medication therapy management and like you said adjust medications based off the results that you see
1: exactly exactly so I mean I appreciate that it's I get to do it all within my scope of practice I used to I used to work at a different uh mental health um clinic and what I I liked it but what I didn't like about it was if I knew that a patient shouldn't be on some med um I always had to like go ask the whoever the attending was or go ask whoever and it would be something simple like Hey, I really need to stop this patient's Tylenol for whatever reason. Um, And they would always say, yes, we had a good like working relationship, but it was still like, man, sometimes it would be much easier and much more efficient if I could just discontinue it myself. Um, So I love that about the VA, that within your scope of practice, you can, you can pretty much work pretty, pretty independently.
0: Nice. 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 So I know working at the VA, you get a a wide range of patients that you see. Um, Can you break down some of the ranges? Like, I know it could be from uh, sleep. It could be from uh, PTSD. Uh, Can you give us some examples?
1: Yeah, yeah. So with it being the VA, I see most of my patients have PTSD. I mainly see men um, in my clinic. And then even like age range, they're mostly, you know, I would say 40 something up to like 80 something. I don't really see kind of outside of that. Occasionally though, I do have like a 20 year old, 21 year old. The other day I met with someone who was 20, I think he was 23. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't really see very many women. Interestingly enough, I have two women on my, on my patient list now. Um, one of them is pregnant, one of them is nursing. And so they're with me because we're trying to figure out best meds for that. Um, And then I see everything. PTSD is the main, but depression, schizophrenia, bipolar, personality disorders. I see a good range of, of everything, which is what I like as well. Um, Where I used to work, it was mainly substance abuse and depression. Um, And then after a while, I just wanted to be challenged. So then I left that hospital, went to the VA, and now I get to see pretty much everything.
0: Nice.
1: And I would say people, so, you know, my students that come on rotations with me, I think people have this perception that they're like, oh, I'm going to come in mental health and see like all this crazy stuff. And people are going to be like, I don't know, doing crazy stuff. It's very underwhelming. I hate to tell you (laughs) because the thing is like, you don't realize in your, I I can guarantee you in your day to day, when you see somebody, I would be willing to bet you that they have some type of mental health disorder going on. We just don't, we don't talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. So you think about it, people all the time talk about like, oh, my blood pressure is out of control. I got to get my diabetes like under control. I got to control my sugar. But do we ever really say like, yeah, this anxiety is just not, it's just not good. Or my depression is just, uh, it's kind of bad today. We don't talk about that. But I can be willing, I'm willing to bet you that so many more people actually do have those issues. We just don't talk about it. And those people, they look like you and me. You know what I mean? And look, you, I would, no one would look at you and say like, oh my gosh, I bet you he has whatever going on. You know (laughs) what I mean? But you might. And same thing with me. I've definitely had my own, like my own list of, of mental health issues going on. Um, but from the outside, it looks like I have it all together and you know, for the most part, yeah, I got it all together, but that's the one thing about mental health is is what I like about it, it can happen to anyone, anyone can experience it, it doesn't look like one thing, the media makes it seem like it looks like one thing, but it it doesn't, it's not that way.
0: You can never really call it, like you said, it's mental health, it's something that isn't physically seen, like you actually have to like, talk to someone, engage with them to actually break it down and see what's going on.
1: Exactly, exactly. You have to, I love that. You have to talk to people to know that they're going through something because you can't always just see it by looking at someone.
0: Can I ask you this? Yeah. Um, so, with this and having been to get engaged with the patients, um, do you feel like you're, I won't say a therapist, but somewhat therapeutic for them to have those conversations?
1: Yeah. You know what? And it's interesting. I've actually considered like going back to get some type of like counseling, therapy, something degree to make myself like more qualified to be Mm -hmm. doing that. Uh, When I meet with veterans or when I meet with patients in general, a lot of times they just want to talk. They just want to it's not even that they're like, oh, I need something with my meds. They want to tell me what's going on. And I I feel as though I'm pretty approachable. And so my patients, sometimes our visits go way longer than they need to because they're telling me about just whatever. They're telling me about whatever it is that they want to talk to that maybe they felt like someone else wasn't able to listen to at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But the truth is I, I cannot, I try my hardest and I usually don't. I don't give like, advice, like, here's what I would do in this situation, or, you know, here are some coping skills. You know, we have therapists, we have social workers, we have people that are there for that. So I try to like venture to to, to give them the right direction regarding that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at the same time, I, I listen, I think that's the biggest thing that I do for my patients is I listen, some of them want to, they just want to talk. And then that helps them to feel better. And so as a pharmacist, I think I teach my students this just because we're a pharmacist. It doesn't mean that you're going to like pour meds on everybody. Like everybody has to be on some medication. You know what I mean? Sometimes what you need is just someone to listen to you. And if that happens to be me and I have the time, then I am willing to do that. Now, if you need medication, I'm going to suggest it. (laughs) But... But not everybody needs medication. Sometimes we have to like tap into using our non-pharmacologic things as well.
0: Nice, nice. It, that is very true. That is very true. Um, And I know you give out tips on um psych health. If you have a moment, can you give us a few tips?
1: Yeah. Am I pretending like you're a patient or...
0: <laughs> no, I know I know like you drop tips on your social media platform and things like that, right? Yeah. So you, you can know, just give out a couple.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think so. What I tell people this, this is probably one of my bigger tips when it comes to like mental health um medications, is this mm-hmm. just because you start a mental health medication, it doesn't mean you will never be depressed again. It doesn't mean you'll never be anxious again. It doesn't mean you'll never Uh, have hallucinations or delusions ever again. If that were to happen, to me, that means my dose is way too high or it means I have to adjust my dose. So I think I try and tell people realistic expectations. You wanna make sure that whether you're treating a patient or whether you are that patient, that you're talking about realistic expectations. Um, just because you're on a med doesn't mean you're gonna just have a hundred percent great days. Nothing ever is going to go wrong. Cause that's just not true. Um, so I always talk about that. I always talk about too um, taking medications on good days and bad days, not just, not just when you feel, when you feel bad. Right. Um, I think pharmacists are the worst patient ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I will 1000% admit I am, when it comes to myself, I can be antibiotics. We're supposed to continue them for 10 days. I am the patient that like, I feel better on day five. Then I'm like, all right, cool. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. The other day I was cleaning out my medicine cabinet. I think I had Augmentin from like, some years ago and i but i kept it cuz i'm like oh well, you never know i just might be like sick one day and take yeah. some augmentin but like that you should not do that so i think my like one of my other tips too is just as and maybe i maybe i just need to talk to myself regarding this but as as healthcare providers make sure that you are you are living the advice that you give so if you tell your patients to be adherent you should probably be adherent too like if I'm telling them about diet and exercise, I know that I should lay off the junk food, too. So just making sure you're setting a good example for your patients as well.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one great. You touched on it a little bit, but I was listening to uh, some of your content that you have on social media. Great content when you was like a guy takes a pill of 50 milligrams Monday, 10 milligrams Tuesday and wondering why. His mood changes. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Did you finish it?
1: Okay. So I tell people this all the time, this one guy, which I get it. So he was taking, he was taking 20 milligrams one day, 10 milligrams other days, whatever, 20 some days. And he was really trying to prolong his medication. Um, But what you don't realize when you do that is sometimes when you take 20, the drug is like, it's higher up in your in your blood right and when you take 10 it goes lower and 20 it's higher um and so as a result of that your mood goes up and down and up and down and up and down versus if you would take 20 every single day then it, the drug in your blood can stay pretty consistent and then as a result your mood can stay pretty consistent And so I try and tell patients to consistency, especially when it comes to mental health medications, consistency is 1000% key, 1000% key. If you want it to work, you've got to take it consistently. You have to have good expectations and you also have to be consistent.
0: Man, I think that's just great advice and just being like a goal for goals and everything, like just being consistent.
1: Yeah. It's just to be like, yeah, I guess I would agree. I think not just with medications, but with anything, if you want to see a good outcome, you have to be consistent. You want to lose weight, be consistent. You want to, you want to keep on making A's in school, be consistent, study. You can't like sometimes do it, sometimes not, sometimes do it, sometimes not because your result will be sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not, <laughs> sometimes it's better, you know what I mean? So You just have to be consistency is like the main thing I try and preach to people and and telling the truth. I think one of my other things that I tell patients is, listen, don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth. If you're doing drugs, tell me so that I know. If you are not going to take your meds, tell me so I know. If you're going to take them, if you're gonna take 50 of them and not just one of them, tell me so I know whatever your truth is tell me so that way i can best help you but if if i am making decisions off of like what i think you're doing or what you're telling me you're doing and you're not really doing that we're not that's not going to help either one of us so i would rather you tell me the truth and then i can better help you
0: nice nice
1: that's a life lesson too tell (laughs) the truth
0: living your truth tell it in the truth
1: (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly
0: um I got a couple more questions yeah but this one I know earlier you mentioned you like telling stories so I know everybody that I uh, you know that follows me my Peer talk family they love stories so can you tell us an impactful story of how a patient came in you saw them, you assessed them and then what was the outcome of that
1: you know let me tell you a story that <laughs> it wasn't really like impactful impactful with regard it it this patient just she just got me together and from that point on <laughs> I was like I was like all right I just need to come with my a-game but so I remember when I was in residency this patient was like she goes um she says can I have some information on electroconvulsive therapy on ECT And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And I happened when she was, I think she was like walking past me in the hallway and I was at my desk when she asked me. And so I quickly went to like Google and I just Googled electric convulsive therapy and like Wikipedia page came up. And so I was like, okay, whatever. And then I started like printing off the Wikipedia page to give to her. And she said, she said, and I'm paraphrasing, but she said something along the lines of, can you like come with me with like something? more legitimate, like something just more in depth and not just some Wikipedia page that you just googled. And again, she said it kind (laughs) of like that. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like she she just she just got even today, like I feel like my feelings are kind of (laughs)
0: hurt
1: of it. But she got me together. And so what that moment taught me was I am not and not that I ever felt this way but it just it just kind of put me in check just because I'm the pharmacist you're you're a person just like me you deserve the best of me If I know that I'm not going to turn to Wikipedia for every single thing, why would I give that to you? So I need to make sure that I'm always like giving and providing the best that I can for everybody and not just, you know, not just I hate to say it. But in hindsight, it's almost like I was looking at her like whatever, like you'll take whatever Mm -hmm. when it shouldn't be that way. You know, I should all she's right. I should always come with my A game and I should always give her give any patient the same like advice or the same material the same effort that I put into talking to you should be the same amount of effort that I put into talking to my patients too
0: nice man I'm glad you learned that at a beginning (laughs) stage of your uh thing but yo that story is funny
1: listen I I legitimately am like let me find some tissue because now that I'm thinking about it I'm like that kind of hurt my feelings but I guess it did its job because here we are 10 years later and I'm like, yeah, that that was a moment for me, a moment in my career. So. Dope,
0: dope.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, I know dealing with psych patients can be stressful. I know being a teacher can be stressful. How do you have a work life balance?
1: Oh, my gosh. I wish my husband was still here. He would say she doesn't. Um, you have you know what I think about teaching is this, anyone that wants to get into academia is you should realize it's not a nine to five job. Um, I, you know, I have a husband, I have two kids, most of my work, I do a lot of stuff from nine to five. I come home, I do all my husband stuff, kids stuff, family stuff. And then I start working again when all of them go to bed. So it is, it is, it is, without saying if you want to find me awake at two or three in the morning most people know that they will find me awake doing stuff for school unfortunately and then the sad part about it is i can text probably almost any one of my coworkers at like one o'clock in the morning because we've done this we've been texting each other at like one or two about stuff for school and so i feel like i'm not selling academia but <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of positives to academia other than it is a lot of work um But so I tell people who are not me, I say, listen, you have to have a cutoff time. You do. You have to say, like, if it is not done by five o'clock, then it's just not done. And that's that's the end. Or else, especially if you're in academia, you will always be like there's always something to do. So you have to have a cutoff time when it comes to my patients. Same thing. Sometimes patients like I'm. Thinking about now, I don't see patients on Friday, but I had a patient who wanted to see me on Friday. And I'm like, as much as I want to help you, like I, I can't. That has to be my day that I get to work on or do like other things. And so setting boundaries, you have to, from the beginning, set boundaries and stick to them. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. And I know you kind of do other things and you got like, you know, entrepreneurship, um, Intentions, because you know, paper state of mind.
1: Oh, did you see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I have, I do that. So I make stationary, like wedding stationery, parties, invitations, and things. Um, I think that's probably good advice too, is like as a pharmacist, you're all of my friends are pharmacists. Most of my friends are. Um, my husband knows more about pharmacy than he wants to. Like you can get so like your world just gets wrapped up in pharmacy. And so for me and my stationery and like invitations and things that I do, it has nothing to do with pharmacy. So yeah. I, I, I would suggest that too. always have like that something that you can do that has nothing to do with your, like your main career. So you can like retreat to that when you need to, or if you want to. No. So for yeah. me, that's what that's about.
0: That's great. Yeah, yeah. that's one of the some advice that I started doing too. to just to clear your mind. If you always focus on one thing, sometimes you aren't able to see it clearly because you always are looking at it. You got to look away to look back at it to see it right.
1: Exactly. I like I'm going to use that. You got to look away to look back at it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But it's true. It's true. You need. And that's that's good. Good work life balance as well. I mean, no matter what career you're in, if it surrounds you 24 hours a day, like, man, that could get, it could get draining. You can get burnt out. So you've gotta have like some type of outlet or something. I tell students that all the time. I say, listen, don't study 24 hours a day. You at least need to take an hour or whatever, whatever you feel like you can afford, take some time every day to do nothing that deals with pharmacy. Um, to clear your mind. And I promise you, you will, you'll be thankful for it later.
0: So if anybody wants to get in contact with you, see some of the dope content that you're putting out on social media, Mm -hmm. can you give them your social media handle so that they can be able to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah. So I am on right now. I'm on Instagram, um, mentelect farm D. So it's M E N T A L E C T farm D. Um, and then eventually I'm going to venture off into my husband wants me to do YouTube. We'll see. Um, but eventually I will venture <laughs> off into there and then, um, a couple of other avenues, but right now the best way to contact me Instagram. And then I also don't mind if anyone ever wants to like, has questions about academia, questions about anything. You can always email me. Um, and so that email is Shari. It's S-H-A-R-I-A-L at PCOM.edu. So I'm really big on being, um, If it, however I can help people is, is what I want to do.
0: Nice, nice, nice. So man, this was a great episode, a Pill Talk podcast with Dr. Mm-hmm. Shari Allen talking about mental health, how you, educating the future pharmacists and making an impact on your patients' lives. Um before we get out of here, I just got one announcement. I want to let the viewers know that Pill Talk Podcast will be having its first networking event July the 2nd in DC at a speakeasy. The speakeasy is called Capo Deli. You'll walk through a freezer door and you'll be welcomed in to one of the most beautiful speakeasies DC got to offer. So make sure you check it out. The link will be in the bio. But Dr. Allen, I appreciate you for coming on today and uh, blessing us with the information.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun.
0: All right. All right.